This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Following the end of World War II up until the 60s, three dozen new states in Asia and Africa achieved autonomy and independence from their European colonial rulers. Many consider this as the end of European colonization. But is that really true? Or are we still colonized today, only in different ways? I'm Dashran Johan, and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Assistant Professor Dr. Karim Batash. He's a lecturer in social psychology and global political economy at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Welcome to the show, Karim. Let's get right into it. By the early 19th century, Karim, a vast majority of the world had been colonized by European powers. But this is a very specific term, colonize. What's the difference between colonization and conquering? Yes, hello. Uh, glad to be here again. That's a good question. Uh, and there is actually a, a crucial difference. So conquering is forcing a country in submission, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, you had the Germans conquering my country, the Netherlands, during the Second World War. That is, we still ran our country, but we would not, not go against German interests. Okay, So we were conquered by the Germans. Mm. Colonialism goes much further than that. Okay. One actually calls it settler colonialism, where one group of people settles in a new territory with the explicit intention to colonize the place and therefore replace or rule over the indigenous people. This, one, this was done mostly because the new land contained valuable resources that could enrich the colonizer, including cheap and slave labor. Malaysia, for example, was colonized with the explicit reason to steal resources and abuse indigenous people for their labor, okay, to enrich the countries such as Britain or the Netherlands. A current day example of colonization would be Israel's colonization of Palestine, where mostly European Jews, but also Jews from other parts of the world, with the support of Western powers, are settling on a land once called Palestine with the explicit intention to expel the indigenous population and create a Jewish state. You know, when we talk about colonization, it's been there even before Europeans started to colonize the world, you know, in, in, in modern history. If we talk about European colonization specifically, when did it start and why? Well, it, that's, that's quite a difficult question, but we could say approximately 500, five to 600 years ago, when the Europeans discovered Africa and America. Now, get this very important point. Mm -hmm. In our Western-dominated sciences, we always talk about the discovery of America. This is a very Euro-Western-centric view. Okay, Africa and America have a rich human history of civilization long before Europeans finally created complex civilizations. So the word discovery misrepresents what actually happens. It is better to say that Europeans found these continents relatively late in human history because they finally had decent ships to do it. Hmm. Ages before that, the Mongolians and Chinese already had ships that found many different places. Now, 
why did the Europeans so, so violently and aggressively colonize most of the world? This global expansion is one of the reasons why European colonization was unique among all other forms of colonization. The second reason was the invention of racism. Hmm. The colonizing Europeans can be considered one of the, if not the, most violent group of people in human history engaging in such extreme expansionist and aggressive domination over other human, uh, human beings. In North America only, the European colonizer almost completely wiped out the peaceful indigenous population who received the Europeans with open arms. More than 5 million American natives were wiped out. Similarly, in Latin America, the Spanish, for example, wiped out untold numbers of indigenous people. And then I don't even mention the untold horrors in the form of labor and sexual abuse the European colonizers inflicted on China, Indonesia, Malaysia, and many other countries. And also, let's not forget the horrors of slavery. Today, it is still going on through what we call neo-colonialism. Right. Look at countries where Europeans originally do not belong, such as Australia, Brazil, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, and I can go on and on and on. In every single of those countries, people of European descent are the ruling class, and indigenous people are overrepresented in poverty and living marginalized lives. Furthermore, the majority of the former colonies are currently suffering under the economic stranglehold of the West in mm. the form of economic neocolonialism. So, to get back to your question, why did the Europeans do this? Right. It's a very, very difficult question, but <laughs> probably due to a coincidental development of history about 500 years ago, where the pendulum of power shifted to Europe after many other empires were the most prominent. And in combination with a relatively low density of natural resources in Europe, for example, compared to Africa or Southeast Asia, an extremely aggressive and expansionist culture formed itself and turned into global colonialism. Hmm. Now, Karim, you brought up an interesting term, neo-colonialism, because, you see, I've spoken to you in the past about topics like racism, um, and you always bring up the term colonialism. Karim, why is it important to still talk about colonialism today? I mean, aren't our nations not colonized by European whites anymore? I mean, a lot of us, uh, like Malaysia, for example, where we've been, you know, we've achieved independence since 1957. The same can be mm -hmm. said about countries like India and all that. May, many countries have already achieved independence from these European whites. So, so why is it still important to talk about colonialism today? Right, right. And that, that's a very good question. And this is also the reason why you see a revival also in the West about thinking and talking about colonialism. So, first of all, most countries are still colonized. In my opinion, we can call it neocolonization, and with me, many academics would say the same. Why do I say this? Well, even though many countries do not have a settled white ruling class anymore, the Europeans and Americans have left all these countries with severe economic strangleholds in place. That's why the West still rules most part of the world, while the rest is trying to catch up after the horrors of colonization. Mm. 
However, one could also consider many countries still under old-style colonial rule. For example, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the US, Argentina, and many other countries have a European ruling class that mostly separates itself from the indigenous people. Therefore, I call these countries also still, you could say, old-style colonized. Right. Now, why is it so why is it so important to to talk about colonialism when we want to understand racism throughout history we human beings have been very tribal tribal means that we divide ourselves into categories and then we like our own category more than other categories for example during the roman empire being part of Roman culture was different than being part of Egyptian culture, okay? So people categorize themselves based on the culture. Mm. Also based on religion, for example, being Muslim was categorically different than being Jewish or Christian. Right. This tribalism is very normal throughout human history, okay? So the tribalism part is very normal. What is not normal over the course of tens of thousands of complex human civilization uh, a history of human civilization is the nonsensical category of race as a form of tribalism. This is very, very recent and was invented approximately 500 years ago. So we are now born and think this is very normal part of humanity. Okay. Racialized thinking, thinking in races, but it's actually not the European colonizer simply invented the idea that we can divide people into races based on skin color and facial features, which is extremely unscientific and, to be honest, ridiculous. Hmm. Why? Because the most genetically diverse continent in the world is Africa. In other words, nowhere in the world differ people more from each other than in Africa. Yet, in the nonsensical European system of racism, Sub-Saharan Africans are all called black. Yeah. So they are all lumped together into one so-called race, which is, of course, like I said, ridiculous. So why did the Europeans invent racism? Well, to be very specific, we actually should call it white supremacist racism. Hmm. Why is this so important to understand? Because racism is a social system invented, invented to benefit one group of people and that is those who are classified as European whites. Think about it. Have you ever noticed that systemic structural racism against white people does not exist? Have you <laughs> also noticed that humiliating and insulting racial stereotypes against white people are almost non-existent? Because the idea of racial classification throughout history was invented to benefit European whites over all non-European groups when ruling over the colonies. This mm. way, European could not only indoctrinate indigenous people, like in Malaysia, that they are superior to them, for example, through education or religion, but it also helped the European to feel no guilt when harming other groups of people. Because by believing that all other human beings are not equal but inferior to Europeans, you can think that ruling over them is just a natural thing. In fact, Europeans convince themselves 
that the oppression and abuse of colonized people was a good thing because by believing in racism, they were convinced that they were civilizing and modernizing the colonized people. This is, of course, false because colonized nations, research has shown this, colonized nations became poorer than when they ruled themselves. And the psychological harm of racism is still harming everyone today. Hmm. Now, now, Karim, you brought up this idea of, you know, the West defining, um, for example, in Africa, everyone, you just lump them together and say, these are the blacks and these are the personality traits associated with the blacks. Now, author Edward Said, he suggested um, something that perhaps um, is similar to what you just brought up and that he suggested that an important legacy of colonialism is that the West pretty much took away the East um, ability to define itself. Instead, the West came to define the East in a way that was beneficial to them. What is your take on this? Yeah, this is a very, very good question. And I'm glad you uh, you mentioned someone like Edward Said, one mm. of the most important thinkers uh, in, in our recent history. Um, what Edward Said said is a very good and important observation. Right. And it shows how important it is for all of us to read works, to read stuff from non-Western intellectuals and scientists. So to your audience right now, name three famous scientists from another, another continent than Asia. <laughs> okay, so, so name three famous scientists from another continent than Asia. And then my question is, how many of those names that you think of right now are non-Western. Right. Most people would not know many. Why? Because we have all been indoctrinated, also me growing up in the West, with Western superiority, and we have neglected knowledge from the rest of humanity. Now, to get back to Edward Said, a very, very, very intelligent Palestinian thinker. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Before approximately 500 years ago, People in Africa would identify based on tribe or language. That is, during most of human history. But then came the horrors of European colonization that divided people into racial groups, lumping diverse people together. Mm -hmm. And until today, most people from Africa call themselves black because the European has put this way of defining people into the psyche of colonized people. It is the same with all other formerly colonized peoples around the world. Many of the stereotypes people feel about their group have their origin in colonial times. Another example is the idea that East Asians are, for example, yellow people. This is a ridiculous categorization of people based on color-coded racism that has lumped many different groups of Asians together based on skin color. Again, you see that many Asians actually themselves define themselves this way and say, yeah, I'm, I'm yellow. <laughs> so indirectly, Europeans defined who you are because you adopt the European classification of yourself. And therefore, automatically, all other groups position themselves as inferior because in this European classification, the invented white racial group is, of course, on top. 
On the show with me today is Assistant Professor Dr. Karim Batash, lecturer in social psychology and global political economy. After the break, I'll be asking him how colonialism has shaped why we find some accents sexier and other accents funny. We'll be back on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and my guest on today's show about how we're still colonized is Assistant Professor Dr. Karim Batash, lecturer in social psychology and global political economy at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. So Karim, when, when we talk about, you know, this hierarchy, you meant uh, hierarchy of races, I wonder if colonialism also created hierarchy in languages. Now, this is, this is going to sound a bit silly, right? But, but it surely cannot be a coincidence, although a lot of us just sort of assume that that's the way it is, right? But I'm thinking it can't be a coincidence that all of us from various parts of the world, you know, especially when we look at um, in Asia, um, we find European accents to be sexy and Asian and African accents to be funny. We see this even in like stand-up comedy where, you know, mm-hmm. we make fun of the Indian accent, we make fun of the Chinese accent, but somehow we think, oh, when it's a, if it's the British accent, it sounds so beautiful and sexy, you know, same with, with other uh, European um, accents. Yeah, so that's a, that, there are actually two, two questions in this, and right. I will answer, I will try and answer them both. So mm-hmm. first, how colonialism created a hierarchy in language? And then why do we find certain accents sexier than others? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll start with, with how colonialism created hierarchy in languages. Well, the British colonization um, was part of, uh, I should say differently, British colonized mm-hmm. so many parts of the world that it has forced the English language into our lives as the world language. And because the British Empire was so rich, as a result of colonial plunder and theft, the English-speaking world had the most prestigious, for example, educational institutions. So until today, many people wish to go to English-speaking universities because of the myth of excellence above all other institutions around the world. And of course, because of increased chances on the job market. Second, that's one example of how that, how that hierarchy starts to form eh, mm-hmm. institutionally. Secondly, English-speaking nations such as the U.S. have more economic power to exert cultural influence. And therefore, we mostly make use of Western media. Think about Netflix, Google, Hollywood, and so forth. And then we need to engage, of course, in the English language. This creates an understanding of one language as the global norm, okay? While all other human languages are simply offshoots, and often we even think they sound funny. Hmm. So... This is, of course, really weird. And in fact, you could almost say wrong. Let's not forget, 1.4 billion people speak Chinese. Of course, many dialects. But let's say a lot of people speak Mandarin. Mm -hmm. Many more than probably people that would speak English in the UK or, or, or North America. And it would make much more sense to speak the Chinese language for us. Furthermore, every year in global education tests, such as math, the Chinese education system beats most other countries. So also education-wise, there is no Western so-called superiority. In fact, in many prestigious Asian universities, you get a much better education 
than at famous institutions such as Harvard or Oxford. These universities just historically had so much wealth to spend on expensive research that they became prestigious university uh, universities further imprinting this hierarchical idea of English-speaking institutions as topping the global hierarchy. Right. I mean, let's not forget the former horrendous U.S. president, George Bush, graduated from Harvard. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Doesn't that say enough? So that is question number one. Hmm. Question number two, why do we find certain accents sexier than others, such as the British accent, of course? Yeah. Again, and I'm going to be very bold, this is mental colonization. Google image right now, also to your audience, Google image, the term handsome man. Okay, just go mm -hmm. to Google image and, 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 and search handsome man. Most unknowing people, most unwitting people would not even notice the white supremacy in these results. They would simply agree with the, the, the results that they see in front of them. But what are those results? Almost all of the results are European white men. You Google handsome men, you find only European white men and maybe a few black guys and maybe one or two Asian guys. You're right, Karim. I'm actually Googling it right now and literally every single uh, image that pops up is a white celebrity, a white model. And then as you go lower and lower and lower, you start to see other, you know, other races and people from other countries. But yeah, you're right. It's the first 20 results at least are all white guys. Right. And this is very important because this is invisible to most people. Mm -hmm. They just, they, they, we, we have been force fed the European beauty type as the norm so much and so many times and at so many levels, billboards, movies, everything, that we all unconsciously agree to this kind of hierarchy without question. This is mental colonization. And that is why I always say that taste is not in the eye of the beholder. Taste is in culture. It gets shaped by, by our culture. That is why in ancient empires, such as the Arab empire, dark-skinned females were considered the most attractive. This is also why in Renaissance Europe, obesity was attractive. Culture shapes what we find attractive through cultural indoctrination. It is the same with accents. By always watching and listening to Western media, we are indoctrinated with the idea that a typical British accent, that is the accent of the former colonial superpower, is sexier than others. It is no coincidence that the accent from the biggest and most aggressive colonizer of our history is called the most sexy. This is no objective fact. This is simply indoctrination. If Arabs had the world's most wealth and we would use colonization and the, uh, and the media or, or Arabs would use the colonization and the media to spread their language and image, I can assure you people would find the Arabic language the most attractive. It's as simple as that. Hmm. Now, you mentioned media and the power of media. So uh, talk to me about how film, you know, uh, popular culture, how do these things ensure that we remain mentally colonized even today in 2021? 
very important and, and, and good that you, you asked me that question. It is very simple. Like I just said, if we Google handsome man, we only get European white men in the first results. That's right. Yeah. Okay. This is the way media indoctrination and psychological colonization works. It is invisible to most people. They do not realize it, but it happens at every moment. Hollywood movies have mostly white heroes. Video game characters are mostly white. In the education system, we mostly learn about Western scientists and philosophers. This creates an unconscious hierarchy of people. Now, in colonial times, European already knew the power of this, the power of these media images. This is why indigenous children, for example, were forced to get Western education so that they would internalize their own inferiority because Western education focused mostly on the representation of Europeans when it comes to discovery and science and all these things. Another example is the usage of religious imagery by forcing colonized peoples into Christianity and then representing the holy characters such as God and angels as European-looking white people, you unconsciously, psychologically colonize people's inferiority into their mind. Even today, most people think of Jesus as a Northern European-looking white man instead of a Middle Eastern brown man who he originally was. Think about it. Hmm. When, when we talk about film, when we talk about pop culture... Um, we are in, you know, a time where at least socially, it seems like people are becoming a more woke, you know, to use that term. But, mm. you know, and, and we, when we start to see, you know, more Hollywood movies starting to champion diversity and minority culture, which is great, right? We should celebrate this. But even then, right, for example, we celebrate uh, Disney films like Moana and Coco, um, which is, again, right. something that we should celebrate, right? It's great that they're celebrating these cultures. But when we really, really peel the layers back and look at the nuances, right? The people making the most money from these films are white studio executive, uh, executives, not necessarily Polynesians and Mexicans. Yeah, and this is, this is a very good observation, uh, Dashram. In the current system of capitalism, which, of course grew during colonial times and eh, the system of capitalism, most wealth is situated among European whites. Mm. Okay, This is due to 500 years of colonial domination. And of course, with European whites, I also mean uh, 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 whites in all other parts of the world, eh, like the United States or Canada. Right. Most wealth is situated among whites because 500 years of colonial domination has stolen so much wealth from the rest of the world. I mean, look at the third world. They are still dirt poor. This is how much wealth Europeans have extracted. And because of this wealth, man, all of this wealth, European whites are still dictating what to spend money on for profit. And the film industry sees the awakening that is now happening in former colonized peoples. And think about Black Lives Matter, which was an awakening against an unfair racial categorization based on skin color, but also the Stop Asian Hate Movement that fights against unfair global racial classification, and so on. The wealthy white elites see this, and even out of this anti-racist awakening, 
they find a way to increase their own wealth. So they will create movies with a lot of diversity to cash in on this revival of a need for multiracial representation. Hmm. However, here's the thing. Right. Anti-racism will often be supported by wealthy white elites as long as it is superficial. Some more colored faces in their movies, for example, sure, this is fine. But structural change, however, such as reparations for the hundreds of years of colonial suffering or structural change in Western societies to elevate the position of colored minorities does not get supported. Large-scale systemic change is something that many white elites avoid because it challenges the current global structure of white supremacy. That is, the global hierarchy with people classified as white on top of the food chain. So a diversity, a movie with a bit of diversity, sure, that's fine, as long as there are no structural changes. Hmm. But do you, I, I'm wondering, Karim, do you think things are starting to change ever so slightly, not because American movies are making more diverse, um, you know, movies and, 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 and series and things like that with, with diverse cast, um, talking about minority culture and whatnot, but because we have cultures from other countries, pop culture from other countries being exported on a global scale. So for example, um, Chinese uh, movies, we know that China is the second biggest movie market in the world right now. We know things like K-pop have become so huge, not just in Asian, uh, in Asian countries, but also exported to countries like the US and the UK and things like that. Do you think that there will be a slight shift um, or at least we, things are getting a little bit better in the long run because now other countries are starting to really export their culture on a global scale as well? Yes and no. I mean, mm -hmm. we also saw that with Japanese uh, culture in the old days, right. anime culture and, and sports. And, and well, you even had the old days, the Hong Kong culture that exported right. Kung Fu. So I say yes and no. Why do I say yes and no? Yes, because you see a representation of another group of people classified as non-white, which elevates their position in the global hierarchy and which opens our eyes for the humanity of other human beings, which is a good thing. But it's still tied to economic power, to capitalism. That means that all other human groups that do not have the capital wealth to represent themselves are still being perceived as marginalized groups. So that is why it's so important that we get a really equitable world where mm. all groups of people, regardless of what you look like, regardless of your classification, have a similar kind of social mobility, have a similar, you could almost say, economic leverage to, to represent themselves. When we get that kind of equality around the world, that is also when you will see that most people will realize that racial classifications are nonsense. All right, Karim, as we wrap up this conversation, I just want to ask you perhaps something a little bit more philosophical, right? Why does any of what we've just talked about matter? Why is it important that people know and, and, and consciously think about the ways in which we are indoctrinated on a daily basis? Why is it important that people know we are still colonized today, neocolonialism, if you know, the, the more specific term, 
why is it important that people know we are still colonized today in more ways than one? Right. So I find the psychological aspect very, very important. Mm. Okay. We've had these long standing discussions already about, uh, um, you could say, uh, territorial occupation, eh? you had the independence movements in India and Algeria, Indonesia, and so forth. So we had that discussion already. And a lot of these countries became so-called independent. Okay, We're not talking about economic colonization now, but we're talking about direct territorial colonization. Mm-hmm. Many of these countries became independent. So that debate already started. However, the mm-hmm. psychological part is something we haven't talked about enough. Okay, People tried it before. Samir Amin, of course, uh, uh, Edward Said, Malcolm X, but it's very little. I'm one of the few modern psychologists who say we need to focus on this way more. This is very, very important to wake up, to understand that everything you see as an objective reality is in fact subjective. For thousands of years, people have never, ever classified themselves based on skin color or facial features. This is a very recent nonsensical classification that you coincidentally were born in. It's not an objective fact. It's invented by the colonizer. It is the same idea as putting people with freckles, for example. You know freckles in your face? <laughs> it's, it's the same idea as putting people with freckles into one racial group. If the colonizer had done that, we would now consider freckled people as belonging to one race. Right. When we look at the world map, okay, we very gradually change in skin color and facial features when we go from point A to point B. If you travel from Beijing to Iran, for example, people very gradually change in appearance. Mm-hmm. There are no racial demarcations. There are different language groups. There are different cultures but there are no different races of people that behave differently based on the way they look. People only behave differently based on their culture. Racial groups are not related to human behavior. It makes no sense. And we should be very, very aware of this. Only culture shapes behavior. So to sum it up, Every time you judge your fellow human being based on race or skin color, you are doing the oppression of your former colonizer. On that note, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Karim. My pleasure as always. That was Assistant Professor Dr. Karim Bertash, lecturer in social psychology and global political economy. Karim has also launched a new YouTube channel called Bet Beat Media. That's B-E-T-T-B-E-A-T Media. Um, and they discuss various topics like the one we just talked about, as well as other topics surrounding global political economy and psychology. So if you missed any part of our conversation on how we're still colonized, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app bfm.my or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Today I Learned BFM 89.9
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.